Hey, sweetie, what do you think of our new car from Carvana? Think it can handle our busy family? Well, we have seven days to see. First, we can take the scenic route to the beach and stargaze through the moonroof. We'll see if your drums fit in the trunk. Then we can pick up Mommy's friends and check out that leg room. And we should really visit Grandma. She's getting up there. That's like a whole lifetime in seven days. And like one busy family. With our seven-day money-back guarantee, you can confidently shop for cars 100% online. Visit Carvana.com for all terms and conditions. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Uh, just seen a stat that since Aubameyang joined us, he's had one shot on target ever against Man City. It was a penalty that was saved. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! <laughs> Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 50, with Alexander Moneypenny and the gobshite Guardiola. <laughs> Bradley Adams. Hello, mate. Hello, Sunshine. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good, good. It's our 50th episode, Brad. You know what that means? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's he's cracked open the tinny. The best sound in the world. That's what that is. Cheers to a 1-0 loss. Cheers to a 1-0 loss, mate. (laughs) What are you drinking? A bit of San Miguel. San Miguel. A bit of San Miguel. (laughs) I'd love to be drinking the San Pep, but, uh, you know... We'll have to stick with the San Mikel. Uh Christ. How you doing? How are you feeling about the game? Um, disappointed, but I think that's just because I think City were a bit poor tonight versus what they usually are. But I think that that's probably just because we didn't aim to do a lot. You know, I think we... The thing with City is, if you don't attack them and go after an equaliser, they'll just sit back and play the ball between themselves. Like, so yeah, I, I think it was pretty clearly a, a two teams who had bigger things in midweek to worry about. I yeah. think that, it felt like sort of two 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 sides that were sort of not particularly. I'm not massively down about it, to be honest. You know, I think we always knew it was going to be a tough game. We always knew mm. probably they were going to lose. I think I've seen people saying, you know, I would have taken one. I would have taken a one 0 loss, and I, I'm never like keen to be like, yeah, I'll take a loss. But against against the team that team. won eighteen in a row, like, do you know what I mean? Like, this is this is where yeah. we are, and ultimately, yeah. you know, we are in one process, and we have to accept where we are. And um, I think, I think we did well. You know, for large, large large portions of that game, we were controlling it. We, you know, that first kind of five ten minutes, I was absolutely petrified. I thought I thought it was going to be six or seven, mate. But we, we grew managed to get into, back it. into it. And we grew into it. Yeah, yeah, we did all right. Um, well, wait, that, yeah, I mean, you know that first ten minutes. That first ten minutes, we had twelve percent percent possession in that first ten minutes. Yeah, that's horrendous. Twelve. percent I, I don't think we touched it. Apart that's, from that's, take, taking the ball out of the net in the first ten minutes, we had one minute and what twenty? Not even twenty seconds. Like a minute and five seconds yeah. of the ball. Yeah, really, really poor. Really, really poor. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. I, I feel like we should just get into it and, and go over it. I'm, yeah, as I say, not crazily um, upset. Um, anything on the lineup? Yeah, I thought the the lineup is, I, I've got quite a few kind of questions, not like 
I'll ask you, you answer them types of questions, but more things that I'm kind of like questioning. What do you mean? I'll pick the lineup. About this. Um, The lineup was strange for me, mainly because I think it's been evident that Saka uh, works very well on that right-hand side. So to switch him was quite strange, especially... It's almost you could understand the switch if we were putting, say, Erdegaard on the right hand side and playing Smithrow in the center or something along those lines. But to put Pepe then on the right, who's worked much better on that left hand side, it just it's a bit kind of perplexing because I'm like, we know that both of them work better on the opposite channel. And that Pepe is yeah. is a goal threat. He's there to be a goal threat. So putting him in a situation where he's having to just drop deep, try and pick up the ball and then dribble past men because Hector Bellerin, you know, I don't think has ever supported any of the players that play on the right side of our of our kind of play. It's it just the whole thing just felt quite frustrating down that right-hand side. I think the right-hand side was the... Well, and it comes to say with kind of both Holding and Bellerin, neither of them challenging for the first goal. Um, and all of these... I just think that right-hand side really let us down tonight. Yeah, it, it, uh, quite a rotated team. Like, you know, Holding and Marie coming in for David Luiz and Gabriel. Interesting. Very strange. Very may, strange. Yeah, maybe maybe Arteta sees that as a a pairing thing. You know, maybe he thinks Holding and Marie complement each other compared to, you know, Louise and, and Gabriel complement. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I think it's too early to say necessarily. But yeah, I thought in general that right-hand side, I think it, it, it slowed us down over the, over the kind of course of the game. Um, it felt as though... Well, it, it did. A lot of the, a lot of our play went down that left hand side, which was obviously problems that we were facing in in the early part of the season. And it felt like maybe moving Saka to that right hand side um, and either playing a Bamming or Pepe there maybe addressed the balance. And I think you know having Tierney there, who once we managed to find some kind of possession and find find some kind of rhythm down that left hand side and get out of our own our own <laughs> our own box. Um, he looked like our biggest threat and, and, yeah. and you know, stick Tierney and Saka on that side and, and we will get some combinations. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I wonder whether there was a, a, a balanced thing to be found with Saka on that right-hand side. I, I don't know. I think it's but, just I mean, because the goal, it, gives then, us, it gives us an outlet on that right-hand side and having yeah. Pepe on the left allows Pepe to do what he does best and just be a goal threat, just mainly drifting inside that channel and trying to get through one goal, in on goal, because you've got um, a very creative left back in KT who can whip some very good crosses yeah. in. He was quite poor today, but I think that's just match sharpness. You know, he's been out for a couple of weeks. It's He's going to get back to things. but And I think that's why maybe our form really did upturn in the last kind of couple of weeks was pushing Saka to mm. that right-hand side gave us an outlet on either side and it gave us well, you know more what? options. Do you know what I think it does? I think I think Tierney being a bit further forward and often occupying maybe a little bit further forward, you know, Bellerin, as we've, we discussed many times, likes to drive in, likes to, you know, take up those kind of inside channels, that right-hand half space. Tierney really likes to hug the touchline. I think what that does is pushes Pepe a little bit further in. I think you're right. Pepe works a little bit better in those in those spaces than right out on that right-hand side where he's just so predictable. Um, just on the goal then, um, I mean, it's poor from holding. That will be covered <laughs> pretty pretty clearly. 
Um, what I wanted to highlight was actually Saka and, and Xhaka in, in the build-up. If you watch, going back and watch the goal, I wonder whether uh, Arteta mentioned in his post-match, he said something about, you know, tactically we, 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 we didn't pick up on something that we'd spoken about and that led to the goal. And I wonder whether it was that that out ball out to Mares, which was working so well in those early early periods. But the thing I wanted to highlight was was Xhaka in that first little little section. He was then after the goal, he was sat much further back, much deeper. We we doubled up on Mares on that right hand side. But on the goal, Xhaka and Saka were both just a bit ambly back and, and it kind of led to the space. Ultimately, you know. I'm not sat here going, well, if you know, it's all Xhaka's fault. It's it was a team mistake. But equally that goal, you know, I wonder whether Xhaka getting back a bit further, Saka I think we learned our lesson very quickly is what it's I'm trying sods, to say. It's Sod's but, law, isn't it, that anything that can go wrong will go go wrong because at the end of the day the cross from Mares is just a hopeful dink into the box. There is no way that five foot seven, I think he is, Raheem Sterling, should rise <laughs> so high like a salmon yeah. and beat It's a great leap. You know, it's always oh, a great leap, but, you know, he leaps to maybe two inches above Rob Holding's head. All Rob Holding has to do yeah. is a little jump up to nod it away. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it's yeah. poor from both of them on that side. Um, in, it's Bellerin as well, though. Bellerin yeah, lets neither him. Of them, neither of them do particularly kind of like drape themselves in glory in that moment. But it is just a not, I think it, it's it's very symptomatic of our recent form, especially in kind of November and December, mm. that we just beat ourselves. You know, we, yeah. we allow these silly little things to to shape the entire rest of the game. Because the thing with City is, is if we then went at them tooth and nail, they'd pick us apart and it would have been five, six, seven nil, which is why we didn't mm. throw everything but the kitchen sink at them because there was no point in doing that. Yeah. Going down yeah. one nil in the first 75 seconds was the worst thing that it could have done for that match. And in that moment, you could have just gone, well, it's going to like, it's just going to be two shots to like both just setting up shop and it, that's, that's that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about City for a minute because, the, I mean, they are just purring. They're, oh. they're an unbelievable side. A couple of things I wanted to to, to pick up on and mention just, just to kind of sort of praise City really is firstly the positional rotation. They're so hard to pick up. De Bruyne, oh Bernardo, Gund- Gundogan. Even at the even defensive Cancelo. line. Well, this is the thing. If you have a team where you know technically none of those players are going to lose the ball... What that means is it allows a fullback to go into midfield. They they don't play at a striker, so they have they have constant overloads in the midfield. They're always moving around. It's so hard to pick them up. So you, if you know you're never going to lose the ball, you can commit more men forward, and you you know you have a, a keeper like Edison. <laughs> the guy is the guy is like a quarterback, you know. And, and what can you do with that? And, and and they were absolutely fantastic. I thought they played through the lines really really well. Um, you know, especially in those first kind of 10 15 minutes <laughs> so after the goal Arteta like mutters like puta, puta madre <laughs> it's like, I just saw you, you like see him turning away from the cameras but I mean they've got this unbelievable press as well and when they lose the ball they they work so hard to get it back because they have the ball most of the time but they have the energy to do that it's just Pep Guardiola it's, it's such a difficult thing like, <laughs> yeah they're and they're in unbelievable form as well but they're unbelievable but you also go you also go did they even get out of third gear? Absolutely that's not. The, nowhere near. That's the scary nowhere part. Near. They that's didn't the even play part. with a designated nine. Like yeah. both Aguero yeah. and Gabi Jesus was, were on the bench. Like 
They didn't even need a designated striker to beat us. And you're looking at their bench. Their bench, I've got it here, of Jesus, Aguero, Laporte, Mendy, Ferran Torres, Rodrigo, uh, Walker, Foden, and then their backup goalkeeper, Stefan. I think all but their backup Every, goalkeeper yeah. <laughs> get into our starting lineup. Every single one of them. And that's their bench. Yeah. That's not That's not even considering the players that aren't on the bench. Like, they're, 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 yeah. they're so blessed. And obviously it comes to the fact that they've spent a hell of a lot of money on... Um, on players, but one thing that I I found uh, that I saw on Twitter that um, I think it was after the uh, not the I the I think it was actually just after the Everton loss for Liverpool, but um, people uh, I apparently I saw that loads of Liverpool fans were saying, oh yeah, but you know it's just oil bag City running away with it again, and I've just got something to read for you. Money spent per trophy, Pep is at fifty two million, and Klopp is at eighty two million. The record signings, Pep is at 65 million, Klopp is at 75 million. Trophies won, Pep 30, Klopp 9, years managing, Pep 12, Klopp 20. Uh, And it's just like, obviously, look, City buy a lot of players and Guardiola has traditionally gone to very, very big teams. But you can't kind of disparage what he did with the Barca B team. They nearly got relegated from the league that they were in. And then he came in, took over, won the uh, won the league for them in his first season there. He turned a 28-year-old Xavi who was fading into it, like insecurity into an absolute legend of the game. Like mm. whether you want to talk about the fact that it's money or the fact that it's... Pep Guardiola is a phenomenal manager. The only reason that Bayern Munich won the Champions League last year is because of the foundations left in place by him when he left. Players like Thiago Alcantara, players who can play this brand of football that we're seeing City play. And everyone reveres uh, Alex Ferguson as the greatest manager of all time. And personally, I think rightly so. But the man won two Champions Leagues in 25 years. Pep's won two in 12. If he manages for the same amount of time, he could double, if not triple, Fergie's win rate in the UCL. So I think it is kind of time that people stop calling him a fraud and start showing him a bit of respect. And and in the first season, it was Fraudiola. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I the, fucking love him. I love him. Oh, mate, the post-match... The post match that he that he gave, I mean, he calls he says Arteta knows everything about football, and we'll get onto that later. But like the the way City play, you go back and watch that first 10, 15 minutes. It's one two touch, positional rotation through the lines, progressive out balls, defenders pushing up, can set like unbelievable levels. That you know, we've never seen this. In my opinion, we've never seen a team play just like the, like this way we've seen you know teams push forward with you know power we've seen teams you know rely on one player but as a team collective group of players this is a unbelievably of yeah of course money comes into it but the the idea you have to spend money well and ultimately and he spent have. money well you know they've not bought name name a player who's name a player who's absolutely flopped at city but not even that if you look at the players that they bought they're for 40 50 million pounds there is no, and everyone kind of goes, oh yeah, but there's no, like, obviously he had Messi at Barcelona. There's no Messi here in this squad. All of them are just of that, just probably just below bracket. They're elite players, but they're not 
the best of the best. But 11 elite players on the pitch are more likely to win you a Champions League than what's going on at Barcelona at the moment, where they've got one of the two best players of all time, in my opinion, playing for them. And they keep flopping and flopping and flopping because they've surrounded mm. him with absolute aged garbage. But Braithwaite is good, Jarmin. The, £16 million pounds I think they spent on Braithwaite. £16 million. <laughs> pounds. What's What's interesting as well is like, I think I think Guardiola's played 22 games against Arsenal, which is his most ever against any team or something like that. Like he, he, we come up against him quite a lot, it seems to. Arsenal lost the last eight straight league games against Manchester City, equaling their record losing run in league history between against Leeds United between 73 and 76. We've failed to beat City in any of our last 11 league games. Um, it they're a fantastic side. They're a fantastic side. Unreal. Man. Getting back to kind of the game, an Arsenal. Though I did feel, <laughs> you know, yeah, the tangent podcast. Um, the the game itself, like I did feel, you know, once we kind of had that initial shock, I I do feel there's a trend a little bit for us of of, of having a shaky kind of start. Um, yeah, we don't we, you start know, so with a prerequisite say, intensity. Yeah, and sort of 15 to 30 minutes, we kind of regained some composure. We slightly pushed them back a little bit. I mean, they were playing so high those first 10, 15 minutes. We started to get some combinations together. But I think what you could see, and something that I just felt was the confidence, like you can tell that these guys know they're not as good, and that's fine. But Arteta is clearly setting us up to to go up against them and to try and rival them. But ultimately, we don't have the prerequisite technical quality. That's like that's 100%. it's a given. If you put if you put eleven play, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how you play. If you have if you have better players in every single position, it doesn't matter. They will no, be you. you. And course, then if and you it, and then if you, it doesn't matter what system you set up. Yeah. If, and then if you're six foot whatever and you're Rob Holding and you're letting a five foot seven, or he, he clarified in the post match five foot seven and a half. I love it. <laughs> The half matters. Um, it does. It five does. at seven and a half. Raheem <laughs> Sterling. Um, size doesn't matter, guys. Um, the five at seven and a half. Uh, Raheem Sterling. It doesn't matter how well you play, how much you you bring the ball forward, and you know, a lot of our play I felt was was especially during those periods. You could see the confidence was negative, and when we did get the ball, you've, even the likes of Erdegaard, you know, we're pushed so far back that there's not really an out ball to go to. Erdegaard's playing it back. El Nenny, you know, had an okay think, game, but he was, no, but he was think, pressing it back. I think this is the thing as well. When you have players like El Nenny, who I can't remember what point it was, but he picks up um, the ball, uh, maybe just like 10 yards away from like the D of our halfway line. And he's got some players in front of him. And I sw- he, there is a perf, there is a player on to his left. Um, I think it's Saka on that left-hand side. All he has to do is chip it over. It is a very simple technical pass. Just has to lob it over one player. I think it was Mares who might have been pressing. Um, lob it over, and brilliant. We've we've um, gotten past like one of the first lines of press, and we can start to build from there. But he turns and he passes it backwards because he knows he does not have the pre uh, like the required technical ability to do that and And the confidence and if you don't but even then if you don't think you have the technical ability to lob a simple ball over one player you should not be starting for a premier league club let alone a premier league club with top six ambitions let alone a premier league club with champions league ambitions that that's it's that Mm. is simple shit that like i'm fucking terrible at football 
but I'll give that a go and it will come off two times out of goal. 10. Yeah, I'm all right. I can make a couple of saves. But like, I'll, I'll give that a go and it'll probably come off two, three times out of 10. This man is a professional footballer on like 60 grand a week and he's not even trying this professional. shit. Professional. That's yeah, just yeah. Fucking, yeah, no, for sure uh, but I think also that lack of confidence like I felt it yeah. affecting everyone there was a moment when Saka ran through he w- he could have had a shot off his left I think he just got on the outside of maybe it was Cancelo to be honest they move around so much I could barely tell could have been Mate, Stones Stones was playing him right back at one point yeah the he gets on the outside of Stones and he could have had a shot but he plays it out to Tierney you can see this is a team that <sighs> You, not that they knew that they'd be knew, knew that they'd be beating because I think you know we can always try and it's clear Arteta sets them up in a you know in a nice in a nice kind of format and goes okay you know here's how we're going to try and get through them here's some you know I did think that there's some some joy down that left hand side Mara's maybe doesn't track back uh, track back that much and you know there's there's potential weaknesses there Zinchenko sometimes I think I think is a little bit out of position so maybe you know, maybe down the flanks but when you've got Pepe not necessarily making those runs, whether it's confidence or skill based, who knows? But also the you know, fact there was a moment where Bellerin, Bellerin isn't going to find him on those runs. It doesn't matter if he makes them. Because yeah, he did. He did yeah. make a couple so, of nice runs today down that right hand channel, and Bellerin just did not find him. Yeah, like this but I do is, think there's a, there's a huge confidence based issue there, and yeah, in a game like this. Uh, it's quite difficult to analyze to go. Oh, you know, we could have done this, that, and the other because it's City, like. Oh, we could 100%. have produced. We could have been the game of our season. Nil. Yeah, and we could we could have produced the game of our season, and they probably still would have beaten us. A hundred percent. So it's difficult, and it's difficult to critique those guys because ultimately they went out and only lost one nil to an a side that could be argued are the best in Europe right now. So yeah, it's interesting as well. Like you know, you see those centre backs driving forward. You see John Stones coming into the midfield. There's something that City do. I mean, the it's quite difficult to explain when you can't. It's an audio platform. <laughs> so they their final... Basically, if like, say, for example, De Bruyne or Bernardo or someone has the ball, often one of the attackers, say maybe it's Sterling or maybe it's Gundogan, who often plays on the last man at the moment, makes a run to kind of drag because they know that, that you know, De Bruyne or someone like that could find them. They make a run. The defender goes with them and it pulls the whole line backwards. And you saw that a few times today. Uh, they're so good at it. There's there's just video after video after video online of, of City doing it, of just pulling the line further back and creating that space. Because one of the ways that you can get at City is is playing a high line. If you're confident enough to do so, if you're if you're brave enough to do so against City, it can work. But and I think we were trying to at some point, especially during you know the sort of end of the first half, beginning of the second, I felt we were pushing up higher. We were trying to play some expansive football, but then you've got Ruben Diaz and John and John Stones who are just, you know, I think is it Diaz who plays it out to Mara's in the first first place? Like, you know, not only an incredible football player going backwards and an incredible defender, but what an what an outball going forward. And yeah. That's where we are. That you know, if you have better players, it's it's such you, a simple you, analysis. Yeah. But if you have better players, you're gonna win. Especially <laughs> so. when we put most of our good players on one side of the pitch. When right. it comes to progression and creativity as well, everything we had was on that left-hand side. Do you think that maybe was a decision? Like, a, like a, we could have stuck Saka on the on the right, but it, maybe it's a, just a let's put all our eggs in one left-hand-sided basket. Because Cancelo does come forward and he can get lost. I think that it was probably a decision. Whether it was the right one, I'm not sure. I think it's it, it's really difficult because I think even if you stick no, Saka... it was the on left the, one. 
<laughs> because even if you stick, <laughs> even if you stick Saka on the right, I think it would stretch City more, maybe. But yeah. I don't think it would afford us any more opportunities than we had. Mm. So it, it did just get to a point where look, we look. I was I I'm never I I never want to see my team lose. But I, I if you'd have given me the option of just a one nil non embarrassing loss, even though this is slightly embarrassing because we have beaten ourselves in just not clearing a very simple cross. Um. Then yeah, I probably would have gone. Do you know what? It's not the end of the world. But I think this just shows, and the current league just shows, we need to be throwing everything we've got into that Europa League to try and get to that final. Yeah, and I think I said at the beginning in part of my kind of overall feelings is like, I've got custard cream staring at me, Brad. Go on, want munch it. So it. Munch it. Uh, Do it right now. <laughs> Do it right now. Go on. I need to speak. I'll speak. Okay. Um, also, just one other thing that we, why did we swap out two centre backs? What's going on? That seems so strange. Two centre backs haven't played together in three games and we're just throwing them in. Why? <laughs> what? What? I think that um, we're just going back to team chat now whilst Alex finishes his custard cream. Um, it was really also, good. It was worth it. Bellerin, I, I hope he never starts another game in an Arsenal shirt. He's just dog shit. He's so bad. Like, yeah. The fact but, that Cedric Suarez was playing better as a right back at left back than Bellerin has as a right back nearly this entire season, I think just epitomizes Hector Bellerin for me. It's a really, really tricky one because. I think you can de- you can obviously make like a a compilation of every single player if you wanted to. You could you can make a compilation oh, yeah. of you know Babamiang with this bad touch. You know, and people did after the Europa League game, and I think that's you know it's a bit harsh on players because you can literally make a compilation of anyone. But ultimately, when you see so yeah, ultimately when you um, <laughs> when you are a player who almost every time I look at you. You know, I'm not really watching Bella in particular. I'm just watching on ball watching. But you know, the by the way, the ball was really nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it actually point. was. The, like, the new balls. Yeah, pain. I noticed really that. Nice. When, I might get it. Um, Sterling threw a hissy fit through the ball at the floor. It's really nice. Um, but ultimately, every time you watch Bellerin, there's a point where it comes a point where every individual moment is a or a oh, or a. And you watch him put the ball out or not find Pepe or... He does like a chipped ball over and it just goes straight to a fucking City player and shit like that. And like, I'm not going to sit here as the greatest football brain and be like, oh yeah, but Bellerin offers this, that and the other. I don't... I can't... I can't, from a fan's perspective, see how, how... What Bellerin offers is any better than Cedric. For me, I see Cedric delivering balls, delivering dead balls. I see Cedric working a lot harder for the team. He's a lot more kind of compact and I feel like a bit more like like stronger. I mean, you know, again, not to pick out individual moments and form a narrative of that, but you look at the Grealish goal in the in the Villa, Villa game, like I, we've sat here many, many, many times on this podcast and gone, oh, fucking Bellerin or whatever. But I just, yeah, it is getting to a point where you're going, this run of form has been going for a while. <laughs> and this guy, 
Yeah, I, I, th- I, I, th- just, I think I we think will feel a massive benefit. I don't think it's mm. a run of form anymore. Mm. I just think it is the fact that he does not have the quality required in most phases of play to be efficient anymore and to be effective anymore at an elite level. Um, you're, you, again, it's simple things like just being able to whip across in or being able to find your right winger down the line. He just lacks both the confidence and the ability to do so. And he is another one of those that I coined the mentality merchants in that he'll come out and talk a big game, but we'll never, we'll never back it up. And then we'll also say stupid shit like, oh, Alexis Sanchez asked for too much when he was at Arsenal. Like, no, you're just not mm. good enough. <laughs> mm. Yeah. The- there would be a massive boost if we had even a six out of 10 right back there. Just somebody like Cedric. Cedric is a six out of 10 right back. Yeah. I still think we need to probably sign someone in the summer unless Maitland-Niles comes back and says, I'm going to be a right back. But Cedric is better. Like he's he proved that in the fact that he was playing better at left back than Bellerin was at right back. And he's a mm. fucking right back. Like it's the, mm, it's just frustrating because yeah. it's not fucking rocket science to see that when yeah. nothing is happening down that right-hand side, why we haven't... And it, it's it, again, it, it becomes the criticism of, at the start of the season of, I think Bellerin went quite unnoticed because 100% of the criticism went at the performances of Willian when he was still starting mm. matches. Now, everyone is looking at Bellerin going, well, now you're the weak link in the team. Because he is, realistically, like, Elneny offers a suppressing function and an occasional tackle, holding Mari, Tierney, Leno, Pepe, Erdegaard, Saka, Aubameyang, all of those other 10 players offer us more of a function, just talking about the functionality of their roles and positions, mm, than Bellerin yeah, what does. they do, yeah. So why the fuck haven't we dropped him yet? It is an interesting one, and I wonder whether that's coming. Because because of Cedric's form and, you know, speaking more technically wise, it's obviously an instruction to come inside a lot more. He's, he's stronger there. But his lack of ability to make overloads, his lack of ability to play those kind of like cute reverse passes, his his um, kind of indecision in, in key moments just hurts us, as you say. And yeah, I wonder whether his... his I don't want to be like, oh, Arteta's Spanish and Bellerin's Spanish, so that's why. But you do wonder whether there's a, you know, they play together, there's a bit more of a, a connection between the two. And I think, you know, Bellerin's also coming, he's not coming off an injury, but, you know, he's had a big injury in his recent past. And, you know, it could be a case of, okay, well, we're just going to give you till the end of the season. I don't, I honestly don't know, but yeah, but he's played, yeah, there's, there's, he's played over 2000 minutes this season. He's and in the league, he's yeah. played 1,900 minutes. Like he's played a shitload of football and he put has it, put it this very way. Very rarely I don't, shown anything that makes me go. I don't believe Arteta. Th- Sorry, Matt, there you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe Arteta thinks he's it do you know what I mean like I, I don't I, I don't think he's playing him because in some way he believes that Bellerin is the answer I think as he said in the Spanish press you know a couple of months ago I have five or six players and then the rest of them need need you know need need changing I think Bellerin's one of those players so yeah uh interesting interesting discussion to be had but just moving back to the game the 
sort of the Smith Rowe substitution happened in the second half. I was uh, I was kind of hoping for that earlier. I sort of wanted those at half time and I tweet this out to to go and match up with City and go, okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna not play with a nine. We're gonna play with, you know, some technic technical you know, because Erdegaard, Smith Rowe and Saka, those combinations, I'm not saying, you know, necessarily play with with um with with Lacazette from the start or whatever, but I thought, you know, the only way we're gonna get through here is not with a Bamiang over the top. It's not gonna happen. It's not a Bamiang's not gonna run past John Stones. I mean, we saw that clearly. He was being shut down by Cancelo and John Stones really easily all day. And even they, when he went out mate, to the left, John I think Stones was, just body thought, checked him off the pitch. Well, I thought it was even less effective, to be honest, um, when he went out to the left and Lacazette came on. But I wanted that substitution substitution earlier because what we needed was ball retention in the final third and we didn't mm-hmm. get that. And no. Aubameyang, you watch him and he's, you know, I love the guy. He's a genius at getting chances in some games. But his first touch simply isn't good enough. He he ball watches a little bit, I find. Um, he's not always involved in the defensive. He's the last person to get back. And okay, he's the number nine, but he's always the last person to get back to defend. Um and you watch someone like you know Ollie Watkins at, at Villa. He's you know one of the one of the first people you know busting a gut to get back. Okay, he's the wrong side of of the kind of the age curve, and you know we need to play to his strengths. But in a game against City, if you're going to start, you have to play the system. And and ultimately, I don't think he was he was in, he wasn't well involved in our build up. And I just felt as though you know bringing Smith Rowe on, who who has the technical quality, might have been a smarter move. Um, but substitutions. Well, no. Let's let's just just quickly before we kind of round off the game chat with substitutions because I think that'll probably take a while. I did think we were quite good and we got quite good at chasing them down. I thought we often in the first half when they um, played through the lines, we allowed them to turn and and and, and play on the half turn. But actually, we started shutting them down. I thought El Nani and Pablo Mari particularly did really well. Did really well at that. We saw them getting frustrated. I felt, um, and with that frustration. We started to capitalise a little bit. We had saw saw a bit of Rob Holdinho coming out, yeah, you know, playing out from the back, and I felt you know we were pushing the the lineup. But in terms of the substitutions, I mean, a lot is made of Arteta's whatever you want to call it, you know, substitution. I don't know what the word would be, but nouse. you know what I mean. Like, he, there's a lot made of yeah, his yeah, nouse, a good word. Um, what did you think of it? Um, I think please he... answer a long. Please do a long answer because I'm going to have another custard cream. Because I, so I will do a very long answer for you, my friend. Uh, I think he makes the right substitutions m- kind of like seven times out of ten just at the wrong times. You're looking at a game that had gone quite stale and turgid. We were almost dying for, again, another second runner, a bit more ball retention. You're thinking, get a Martinelli on the pitch instead of a Bamiyang. Somebody who, okay, will play that centre-forward role, but will also relentlessly press and give you a bit more. Swap Saka and Pepe. See if that helps. It just, uh, and I texted you that it reminds me of late-stage Wenger. I mean, I'm I'm talking about him like he's like cancer, for Christ's sake. Late-stage Wenger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Stage four Wenger. It's inoperable. Like, he just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's so stubborn in my opinion to that that his plan a will work that it, it gets to a point where you enact plan b at 71 minutes and you're putting players on with 19 minutes to affect change against the best side in the league 
okay, it's fine if you're against West Brom and you bring players on at 19 minutes left to try and maybe nick you a winner. But there was just not enough rotation quick enough for me. And I think that that's the thing that needs to improve going forward because I think he does make most of the right substitutions. I'll never ever think that bringing on Willian is the right substitution because he's absolute dog water. But, you know, bringing on Smith Rowe was was probably for me the right decision. Uh, I thought maybe we should have taken off one of Pepe, one of, um, I, I don't know whether Pepe was the right person to take off, but I can understand like why we did. Again, it, it, I think it, there is just a bit of frustration about this because I'm going, this is a free hit. If you lose 1-0 or if you lose 4-0, you still lose the game. Try and change things up and go after the game. And we just didn't do that quick enough for me, anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's really astute. I, I, I find it difficult because I think this always comes back to a kind of conversation around Arteta's experience. The custard cream is lovely, by the way. Oh. Um, I find the oh. you know the th- thank God. <laughs> I can hear the nation have a sigh of relief. Um, the. <laughs> <laughs> it always kind of comes back to a conversation around Arteta's experience, right? And yeah, whether he will, you know, understand more about substitutions at some point. And I said on the last podcast, like, yeah, okay, I'm not, I'm a fan. We're a fan podcast. Yeah. We don't right. know more than Arteta. A of man who not. said, you know, Pep Guardiola says Arteta knows everything about football. I think he probably knows more than us. Uh, just but a little, the, the, just some, a little, I, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We're almost there. But sometimes... You should get us in instead of Carlos Cuesta. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, fuck Carlos Cuesta and Miguel Molina. It's Adams and Penny you're on. Um, The the point being, though, that, like, I think sometimes when you have such an idea of football and such a tactical... Such tactical nous, great word earlier, that you, you sometimes lose sight of i think like some, like that plan was working right that at the begin, you know sort of from 30 minutes well 15 minutes onwards we kind of got back into the game 30 minutes onwards and uh, guardiola said himself like we were getting into the game we were on top and i think sometimes you go well this is working my tactical plan is working we're going to squeeze up the pitch squeeze up the pitch that's going to happen at some point and i think sometimes with more slightly more practical managers um your likes of you know your Hodgson's, your you know I don't want to dig them out, but you know your Allardyces and your Pul- your Pulises, they're a bit more get the best players on, get them up the pitch, you know, see what happens. Yeah, and I, I think sometimes Arteta is so reliant on the tactical side of things and the, and the system that he maybe forgets about the who's motivated, uh, you know, who is yeah, who's, who looks up for it, who looks up for it, and 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 that's yeah. a very kind of generalized thing. But you know, if you if you look at the body language. Is Aubameyang raring to go? Is Aubameyang absolutely, you know, thinking, oh my God, I have to score today? Not really. No. Would Martinelli go and chase down every single ball? Yes. yes. Would he work as well tactically? Probably not. And, you know, shit that we don't even fucking, we, we, yeah. we can't even conceive, Brad. Do you know what I mean? But the point being that sometimes when you have such an understanding of something, it's like if you're an engineer, right? And you have an unbelievable understanding of how like, a, a computer works. You're not going to go, just turn it off and on again. 
are you? You're going to go, well, it's probably because of the RAM and the, you know, the change the change the And the fan, system it's not the, working. Hack it, hack it to the mainframe, man. Like you, 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 you're going to, you're going to know that sort of stuff. And, and sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. And I think sometimes it is a bit more of a kind of, you know, well, Saka works for my system, so I'm going to play him. Yeah, but he's a young kid and... And it's I also how well is your system working? Because like, yeah. our system was working, but to the degree where we were getting half chances. You know, we never really had like a very clear-cut, open opportunity to score a goal. So you, go, part of me just kind of gets frustrated that it's, look, we're getting half chances, yes, but we're never getting just an out-and-out goal-scoring opportunity. And that's not good enough. So change things. Change it. Change it. Just change it. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Well, Oakley, listen. Oakley. City are good at football. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, they are. Let's confirm that. City are good at football. We're all right at football. We're getting better at football. I, I think um, we're just paying for the mistakes the of early, earlier in the season, aren't we, mate? We're just paying for the mistakes yeah. of like November. Yeah. But I think that's just because we found also- like we've now found the right system. I think this four-two-three-one with. Saka on the right, Pepe on the left, or whoever on the left. And like, we we found the right way to play with these players. But we're now just paying for the four months that we didn't play this way with these players. Uh, No, absolutely. I think that's so right. Like, you look back at our our scores, um, you know, the last couple of, say, weeks or, you know, since this kind of, this, this run has picked up. We lost that game against um, Villa and we lost that game against Wolves. But before that, you know, we drew at United. We had the game at Southampton where we beat them. We beat Newcastle. Okay, we had the 0-0 against Palace, but we beat West Brom 4-0. We were on a decent run. We'd found some form. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, at the moment, we're just looking at a side who have come up against really, really good teams and, you know, in, 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 in Man City and, and uh, in other teams that I've completely forgotten about, you know, and Villa who are in a great, great run of form. And it's not to say, I think sometimes, you know, it's not to say, it's not to excuse it, but equally, if you have a really, really bad run of form, leaves you somewhere. If you're in, if you're playing really, really tough teams and you lose, it makes, it makes it feel worse. It's like a Wolves game. You would have lost that game anyway. So it's like, well, Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, the like the Wolves, Wolves game. game yeah, the yeah. Wolves game feels a hell of a lot worse. We were all over them. We were all over them. And, you know, whatever your thoughts, feelings, opinions are on the thing in the red card or whatever, we were all over them. A contentious Annoyed. decision, to say the least, has happened. And then it's flipped the game completely. And now we're going into a really tricky run of the season. Now, that game wouldn't matter as much if we just fucking won some games in November and December. <laughs> like, it wouldn't matter. But it does now because of where we find ourselves, which is why now every single game, even if we're losing against teams like City, uh, Leicester, Liverpool, Everton, all of these teams that are above us in the league, it is going to feel slightly worse. Hmm. For sure. Brad, can I shock you? Yes. Bruno Fernandes scored a penalty. Oh my god! What's the score? Water is wet. Three one. You know, United beat uh, Newcastle. Uh, what's the first half? On oh, wait, PSG well. are losing to Monaco. Nice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> guess getting sidetracked. Uh, anything else on the game? 
Brad. Let me just let me just check my notes. He's got notes, listeners. Did you 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 thought Brad was just freewheeling, didn't you? One thing, this man has the, got notes. This is the last oh, thing, right? <sighs> Keep going, Brad. I respect. I respect City's way of tactical fouling and wasting time. But where were the bookings? Uh, like, I've, I'm seeing City yeah. players kick the ball out of play or kick the ball away or throw the ball away after we've been given yeah, free kicks in the last that. 10 minutes in the game. Now, look, rightly or wrongly, whatever you think about these, like, that is a yellow, like, that they are yellow card things. That, that They are yellow card decisions and, and incidents sorry the phrase and, the phrase rightly or wrongly makes me laugh yeah it's so funny it's such like a brexit phrase oh my god yeah it fucking is women have rights toys. rightly or wrongly <laughs> um but like you you have to abide by the fact that like you, you they, that's yellow and i'm seeing players do it again and again and again and unless referees book them for it they're just going to continue doing it and it Again, I'm not saying we would have scored if they hadn't have done this because we were getting nowhere fucking mm. near their goal. But like, at least, mm. come on, give us a chance. Like, fucking card these people who are doing this shit because it's just interrupting the flow of the game. I'm here to watch football, mm. not fucking Alexander Zenchenko pick the ball up and try and do like the 40-yard fucking dash with it. <laughs> it's just, Great it pronunciation, got, by the way. Oh, mate, it got on my... Uh, it, it, by the end of that game, I was fuming. I, 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 it was just pissing me off so much because I'm like, do, you do don't you know need to do this. We're shit. We're not going to score anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one's going to score. Don't worry. Um, do you know what else? Do you know what pisses me off to the level that probably you got pissed off at that? What? Is that Zinchenko is number 11. Yeah. Oh, but that's because he's um he started there as a cat, as a, as a central attacker midfielder. Pep converted him to a left shit, back. Brad. I don't give an absolute shit. He's their left It's like, do you remember Andre Santos was our number 11? Filthy. William Gallas, number 10. I'm still annoyed. Still annoyed. Still fuming. Uh, anything else Anything else on the game, Bradley? Just a final check. No, no, no. Nothing from me, mate. <laughs> check to the VAR. Check complete. Nothing else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you. Come on. After this. We'll see you. News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Uh, we've had a view in from at AFC Benzo. I realised that we're doing News and Views, which is like about, you know, getting views in of other people. And we very rarely give anyone apart from very us. Very rarely. <laughs> Yeah, Very it's just, rarely. It's just, um, it's just another excuse for us to chat shit for fucking 20 minutes, mate. What do you mean, Brad? Uh, Gabrielle, or Gabrielle, who is at AFC Benzo. I say, I think he's English. I could be totally wrong. Sorry, Gabrielle. Gabriel. You could be horrific. Uh, I could be horrifically wrong, but if, yeah, I'm just saying Gabrielle because it sounds more football-y. Uh, just seen a stat that since Aubameyang joined us, he's had one shot on target ever against Man City. <laughs> It was a penalty that was saved. (laughs) (laughs) It was a penalty that was... The best point is, that was saved. Penalty that was saved. Uh, (laughs) Squad building wise, have we shot ourselves in the other foot after finally outing Ozil? I think he means I'm giving him a new contract. Okay. 
And with Willian, same mistakes over and over and over. (sighs) 50-50. Brad loves a squad building chat. Come on. No, because you're the sort of guy who gets on to gets on Football Manager and just puts everyone up for transfer listing, just everyone. Um, no, because we needed to protect the asset. At the end of the day, losing him on a free was not something we could do, and we were in a kind of like in a coronavirus market, as uh, I love to say. Um, we wouldn't post have Neymar. got anywhere post Neymar. Uh, we wouldn't have got anywhere <laughs> near the money that we would have wanted to part with him. So Mm. we needed to give him this contract. The important thing is, depending on how much cash is injected going forward and how much we're going to spend in, say, the summer, or to rebuild the squad going forward, is that we don't double down on that for the sake of doubling down on it. If by the end of this season, both Mikel Arteta and the board realises that neither Lacazette or Aubameyang fit the mould of a number nine that we need going forward, it is better to sell them and invest in one that does. So I still think he's quite a sellable asset. I think he's still somebody that you could get money for in the summer if we decide to do that. It all just depends on what happens going forward. I think with Willian, yeah, it's 100% we've shot ourselves in the foot again, giving a ridiculously long contract to somebody who isn't performing. But I think one thing that's important to understand is uh, vision is twenty twenty in hindsight. Nobody knew William was going to be this bad. We thought he wouldn't be great. I didn't want him anywhere near because I just think he was old, but nobody thought he was really going to be this horrific. Um, and statistically in his last season at Chelsea, he wasn't as bad as he currently is. So I think whilst we can all sit here and go, it was a horrific decision it was a horrific decision at the time because of his age, not because of the quality Hindsight's that he's 2020, And we made the decision in 2020. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Um, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. No, 100%. I, like, I think time is kind of of the, of the essence. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i kind of sat here going... <laughs> what a weird phrase. I'm just, I'm sat, I'm just sat here. Uh, I'm kind of going... We have to get Willian out like asap because oh, this is in a guy the who's thirty. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's thirty-one or thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-five, thirty-nine, thirty-three, thirty-three, four hundred and. Is he thirty-three? Short. Come on. Yeah, he's thirty-three. Oh no, he's thirty-two. He he's thirty-three in August. Sorry. Okay, so he'll be thirty-three in the summer, and until he's thirty-three, he's thirty-two. So also, also, the... wait. Sorry to sorry to just cut in. Anyone that has sent him racist abuse, and if you mm. listen to this, go and fuck yourselves. Straight up. Turn the podcast off, jog on. <laughs> yeah, that like quite seriously, there is a it, it, there's a there's a fucking it's epidemic a of racism in football at the moment. We're... And if you yeah. contribute to that, you are scum. Yeah. And the stuff with Enketia this week, listen, we're two privileged white guys who are talking about racism, you know, what the fuck do we know? But like, of course, realistically, that there is a, there is such a difference between like the, 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 the uh, Twitter account that says like, oh, you know, days until Willian's contract ends. That's funny. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, there's a line that that's yeah. quite funny, right? There is a yeah. line between that and going out and literally calling someone 
a, a monkey, monkey or he, the he, put, he put up he put up a screenshot of a message from people saying like get out of my club you monkey and I'm, like do you know what and i'm so glad i mean he didn't have to do that it's absolutely not his responsibility but i'm so glad he did that because yeah. it outs the person and it just put shows fucking like, people on blast it's, like it's like screenshot look this i'm not making this shit up like you know anyway um yeah but you know th- th- uh where are we going with that yeah william like at 32, we might get him off to Qatar. We might get him off to Chungano. We might get him... Betis were apparently, you know, Betis were apparently yeah, interested Spanish to replace Wacky. Who knows? Yeah, and, you know, ultimately, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out at some clubs. But at 33, 34, I don't think that's happening. And, and, he's, and he'd still sit here and take the, the wages. So I just, you know, I think we're the last... It's the last chance saloon kind of thing because at thirty two, thirty three, you can kind of you know you could you could transition to a more central player. You know he's not got quite the burst of pace or anything anymore, but you know he's still a he's still a Premier League proven player, and and you know he's only been a year sort of out of form or whatever. But I think another year, and we are really we would really struggle to get him gone. So you know it's like con- contract cancellation kind of thing. Like it's it, and and it's not to kind of apply that to a Bamiyang, but we either have to go project Abamyang and set up to 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 play with Abamyang as our kind of Jamie Vardy as we talked about before low touch player high press confident strong young players around him who are going to be athletic and 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 push him or we have to get rid of him like it, it's it's kind of there's no two ways about it and and cuz t- you watch Abamyang today he offers us nothing in the build-up. Nothing. And here's so, the thing with that as well. He's 31 turning 32 at the end of this season. I don't think that's smart. I don't think it's smart to go, Project Abamyang will build a team like he's our Jamie Vardy and we'll run it like no. that. Because in 18 yep. months' time, Abamyang's aged out. He is no not going to be anywhere near the quality that he once showed at the beginning of his career or at the beginning of his kind of mainstay at the top flight, you know, beating people like Lewandowski to a golden boot. So it makes it, 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 I think it's safer and it makes more sense to rebuild going forward. And we're seeing this in that we're not playing tactic to, tactically to his strengths. We're mm. asking him to fit into our mold, which is yeah. just the one thing that makes me go, his kind of half-life at this club is very soon up. Like it, it's the Aubameyang era at Arsenal is coming to an end. And that's uh, whether you're sad about that or whatever, you know, he's a lovely guy who has performed very, very well for us, but he's 31 turning 32 and we don't play a style of football that suits him anymore. So mm-hmm. the smart thing to do would be to move on from him and to bring in a center forward that fits that mold. Mm. The quick combinations around the box, the cutbacks, the, the fullback work, the interplay, the triangles—that's mm-hmm. not Bamyang's game. He's no. a straight line player. He, you know, this, the, what we're doing is not is not going to suit Bamyang. I think you're absolutely right. And I think sometimes people go, well, you know, there's there's two sides of the kind of the the, the counter argument to that, which is, you know, one, okay, well, we've given him a big contract, so obviously we're sticking behind him. Bollocks, that's protecting an asset. If you let Bamyang run his you know if he's if we're at this point Aubameyang hadn't signed a new contract he's going for free in the summer but now we could probably get 20 or 30 mil for him and that's a really yeah. respectable amount of money for a player like him but also the other side is going you know you know look what he's done for the club and he's just going through you know fans whatever but 
fine, absolutely right. But you you can't tell me that Aubameyang offers us everything that we need from a modern centre forward. And unfortunately, we have to be brutal. I think mm-hmm. Arsenal have, has this nice family feel about it. And I love that. But equally, we have to, you know, and it, it's a great thing. We to, have to, to be, be ruthless as, as a moment. fan. We have to be ruthless. Look where we are on the table. We have to be ruthless. And if we can get 20, 30 mil for Aubameyang and we bring in a Osserman, we bring in a Alexander Isaac, we bring in a... Um, Isaac would be great. We bring in someone like that, you know. Yeah. We're then set for the next three, four years, whoever, you know, Arteta Arteta fancies. And and that's an interesting debate to be had as a kind of... Mate, I want Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but we're nowhere fucking near getting him. So not going to get him. Yeah. So, you know, short of sticking Bradley Adams up front, we've got to... We've got a sort up the lads, <laughs> up the lads, whole year the lads, um, whole year the lads. Okay, just to close out the show, I just wanted to talk about Arteta. Really, um, we've not really had like a uh, a check in on on where we are on Arteta for a while, kind of more generally. Um, it was interesting. Gunner Blog put out a a poll, which was in hindsight. Uh, I'll find the poll so I don't just misquote it and just make some absolute bollocks up. But essentially, that the the poll was uh, in hindsight. Now, would you choose? What would you choose if you had the choice between Ancelotti and Arteta? If you could go back now, with, uh, yeah, here we go. With the benefit of hindsight, who would you rather Arsenal had appointed, Arteta and Ancelotti? Have you seen this, Brad? No, I'm trying to find it now. Okay, don't find it. Don't find it. There's thirty six thousand votes. Okay. How many how many do you think for Arteta? Can I percentage just do like can I just do yeah, so a percentage split. Sixty five thirty five in favour of Arteta. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, seventy two percent Arteta and twenty eight percent Ancelotti. Which is really interesting because you know, Gunner Blog is obviously a huge you know he's been around the block. <laughs> Not to make him sound old, but you know, isn't you know he's 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 been a, a a kind of prominent Arsenal figure for a long time now, and he has a quite a big cross section of okay, yeah, fans on social media, but quite a big cross section of fans. So it's not as if it's you know a, a, a youthful or a, you know an AFTV where you might have a bit more reactive fans. It's quite a nice cross section, and that's really interested me because I, I felt it would be a lot closer. I it will surprise no one to hear that I'm an Arteta in man. Of course, um, I think you know when you have a, a manager like Pep Guardiola saying this is a guy who knows everything about football and I'm learning off him, and that's not I'm not just saying that as his friend. You have Wenger, Pochettino, you know all these people who wanted him when he came out. This is clearly a great football brain mm-hmm. that has downsides, but a young coach that we can get behind. And I mean, how are you feeling about where the project's going? Um, where's your sort of patience and tolerance at um i think i should also kind of preface this whole thing with like i obviously was quite adamant that we might need a change around december kind of the back end of our very poor run of form and i just kind of want to say that i only ever thought that because i did not think he would change what he was doing and i'm glad to say that he did makes sense you know, and if and if you go back and you listen to the episodes, I I very clearly state that the, we can't sell all the players <laughs> right now. The only yeah. thing we can logistically change is the manager, and it's looking like we might yeah. need a bump to just like 
to just guarantee that we don't end up anywhere near fucking relegation. Um, And I, I, I also said that I think he has a hell of a lot of potential and I still think he does. I still think he's making some of the same mistakes. The bringing on of William constantly, the uh, poor handling of Saliba, the poor handling of Martinelli in that Martinelli's not getting minutes at the moment, really, which is quite strange. Um, and the constant sticking to something that isn't working at times. But things have gotten better. And it is no surprise that with better results, I obviously feel more more positive about our manager. But I think where this is going moving forward massively has nothing to, it almost has nothing to do with Arteta for me. It has everything to do with the club and with the board. Because I do believe that if given the right tools, given the right amount of money and given the right amount of power to build this squad and to trim away the fat and to kind of fix everything up, we could really progress forward. But it all depends as to whether he's given that tools. At the moment, like like a mechanic, we're asking him to fix a car. It's just whether we give him the tools to fix said car. And I don't know whether we will, which is the thing that worries me. Because I'm looking at pragmatic managers like David Moyes do a hell of a lot with a lot less talent by being pragmatic. I just worry that if we have another poor run of form, a massive section of our fan base will start calling for his head when, in fact, it's the club that haven't given him the ability to really affect change within this squad. We've got four new players and we've gotten rid of three two of which weren't even registered. It's no surprise that things aren't changing very, very rapidly. I just really, really hope in the summer he gets the fucking keys to that war chest that everyone's been talking about since 20 fucking 12. (laughs) And we can really start this rebuild. If that doesn't happen... Bring out the war chest. I can see him going to a a bigger club, a better club with more money and... Mm more support for their manager. And I think that Arsene Wenger has been massively vindicated by history in that you, everyone used to be on his back and he'd say things like, it's not my money. Like, it's obvious that he was not the one, like he was, he was like, he's pretty much come out and said that he was, you know, forced to sell his best players and didn't have money to inject into the club. And we are now at a situation where we probably need to spend about 100 million, probably 150 million in the summer to really revamp this. And I really do just worry that that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's a really good assessment. Um, I think, uh, interesting also on on Wenger, just quickly before I I just round off on Arteta, like, interesting he's come out and talked about... um, sales of players and stuff there's, mm. there was an article that i retweeted that was um i'm not sure if you saw but kind of breaking down his comments on being sports to andy gray and richard keys yeah and it just it just didn't quite all add up like you know it's things he was saying that you go hmm is that true and saying you know we, we, we were having to sell players younger and it wasn't true but yeah anyway um go have a look on the different not twitter it's, it's on there if you, if you fancy having a look um yeah arteta 
I think one thing to also understand is, look, the man does speak seven languages, but there will always be language barriers when you're not speaking in your native language. I speak English, so I know exactly what I'm saying and the inference of everything that I'm saying. Whilst he also speaks fluent English, he will be probably thinking in French within his mind. Or like, because I, 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 I don't know if that's... In French? He's Spanish? No, 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 but uh, like... Uh, no. But as in, like, because he speak like, his native language is French, there will be probably... I don't know whether this is true, but I mean... Oh, Wenger. I, I, I thought you meant Arteta. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> Wenger. As in, um, I remember when we spoke to that, um, the director of um, Postman and the Poet, when we did that, that he went, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. no, I, I think in Portuguese in my head or something, and then I translate yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And I think it's that kind of thing that yeah. you will always have to consider with somebody who is bilingual that what they what they say might not be 100% of what they actually mean, but if you translate it back to their native tongue, it might make more sense. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that guy had a working iPhone 3GS in yeah, 2019. Yeah, mate, fucking mental. Incredible. Incredible. Good old Ron. Um, Ron Daniels, shout out. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I, I, I think Arteta came in and kind of steadied the ship. I think he picked up results. He tried to impl- Im, uh, implement that four-two-three-one, didn't quite work. He understands the scale of the task. I believe that Arteta has the tools to do the task. Um, I think that's been seen by the fact that we played, we, we've outplayed a lot of teams this season. We've, you know, and it doesn't mean anything as we've discussed before, but you know, we have been on top. We have had more chances. We have had more possession. We have had more XG, all, all those sorts of things, but we just haven't been able to put it in the net. I think Arteta, if he's given, if he's given the right tools, as you say, in the summer, um, could do something special with this side. But I think, um, yeah, you know, bringing in Party and Gabriel, great additions. If we get another two, you know, say we bring in a, I'm not sure Erdegaard's the right guy from what I've seen thus far, but, you know, say we bring in an attacking midfielder and a, and a striker in the summer and potentially, you know, bring back Saliba or, or even another right centre-back, I'd be fascinated to see how the team does or a new right-back, like, you know, just getting to that next next stage, the next we we'll probably need, like, four in additions the, in the summer. Well, we need six or seven. We need but, fucking you know, we're not 12. Get it, but, you know, yeah, yeah like you know what we're going to get you know that what do we where do we get to with the next stage of this project and let's be clear I, I believe this is a project and i believe this is something that we should get behind um but i think it does all depend in terms of arteta as a coach i think he has an unbelievable amount of potential and i think we'd be mm. silly as often we do with players to miss out on his prime and to miss out on his his success because we yeah. because we are trigger happy or whatever you know this is a guy you imagine if you put it in almost football terms this is a this is a this is the Bukayo Saka of management, you know, and it's it's not about you know it's a young manager who's got a lot of lot of potential, you know, highly rated. Everyone's going well, you know, this is going to be a great guy. Let's stick behind him. Let's give him, you know, let's give him the time he needs. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, if we can cover it financially, if we're going to be invested in it, doesn't really matter if we have one season out of the Europa League, whatever it is. Um, I'm I'm willing to stick by it for the long term because I can see the results improving. I can see the, the performances improving. And so, also so with if the worldview when it comes to kind of rebuilding this squad, you know, we spoke a slight amount before that the Italian league is currently be is like ravaged financially. The French league because yeah. of the TV money is ravaged financially. It's a good time you know, to invest. talking about Inter Milan. They couldn't even afford to play uh, to pay their like five million euro instalment on the Hikimi deal because. They posted a loss of something like 150 million euros. So this is the perfect time to be rebuilding a squad. 
because you yeah. can go and almost pillage certain clubs for their best players for cut yeah. prices because they need the money. You're looking at Barcelona aren't going to... they. Obviously, I don't think a lot of Barcelona fans listen to us, but the reality is, is Barcelona cannot afford to keep Leo Messi anymore because of the We're financial situation. We're big in Belgium, situation. Brad. Did you know that? So sorry to cut you off. We're big in oh, Belgium. That's amazing. We're big in Belgium. Love it. Love it. Hello, uh, Belgium listeners. Like, hello. Hello. Uh, it is like, this is the perfect time to be going and, and like going to Lille, for example, and saying, we'll give you 12 million pounds for Renato Sanchez. Or going to Depay yeah Depay is leaving on a free this summer I don't think he'll fit how we want to play moving forward so I don't think he's the one to go for but you look at other people within that squad uh, they've mm. got um, a central midfielder called um, Bruno Guimarães who transferred from yeah. a Brazilian club who seems to be a very very hot prospect in the centre of the park there's a lot of options in a lot of these leagues that are being absolutely destroyed by Covid finances so mm. that is smart. something that we should be smart about and take advantage of. A mm. hundred million sure. pounds this summer is go a long 200 way. million pounds two summers ago because you can yeah. just lowball so many deals to so many different clubs. So what you're saying is we're going to get Neymar. That's what you're saying. Well, um, because this is interesting. Don't, um, no, don't even. Don't no, even. no, no, no. It's not, it's not, it's nothing to do with us. Uh, PSG want to bring in um, Messi uh, from like okay. rumours and from a few podcasts so I listen to and stuff. <laughs> no, of course they do. But to do that, financial fair play, they would have to let go of either Mbappe or Neymar. And Mbappe only has one year left on his contract at the end of this season. So this summer we could say Mbappe move somewhere, which is fascinating. We're getting for it. Like, it's for like the it's ecosystem of football, that's fascinating. Just to close out the show with one of my favourite facts I've learned recently. Neymar has a, or PSG, I'm not, it's Neymar certainly, but PSG may put it to the other players, has a contract called like the 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 fair play contract or something like that. He has a, a clause in his contract, which means if he claps the home fans at the end of a game, he gets something like a £375,000 bonus. If he claps the home fans. It's absolutely ludicrous. Ludicrips. Right, Brad. What what a, what a pleasure. That was a great podcast, if we don't yeah. say it to ourselves. Yeah. Great podcast. Little. This is also the first time uh, you might be seeing us on TikTok. We've we've changed to a different platform. So it could be different. It could all sound rather different. So uh, apologies if uh, it's not what you expected, as always. Um, also, just want to say, I know we're going over now. Um, we had our biggest ever week last week on the podcast. We had the most listeners we've ever had. We're growing at a really, really amazing rate. We're so grateful to you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you. Um, if you have ever shared the podcast with any of your mates, had a listen, you know, just stick us on in the, in the shower, whatever you do, we really appreciate it. Random thing to say. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, Alex yeah, thinks about you in the shower. Love. Yeah, if you hear me and Brad in the shower, lucky you. Um, <laughs> yes, anyway. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, um, thanks, and guys. And we'll see you after Benfica. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.